Good morning, Bokertov. Ready to start the parsha of Pikude. Yes, the last parsha in the book of Exodus. This is the final, also concluding parsha about the building of the Mishkan. In case you didn't know about it yet, the Jews built an, a tabernacle in the desert where they made a home for Hashem. And this parsha is going to be the conclusion of that story where we're going to the first half, we'll be talking about the making of all the vessels, sorry, the, the clothing of the Kohanim, the, what the priests wore in the Mishkan. So in that respect, it's going to be very similar to the first half of the parsha of Tetzaveh. The difference will be that there in Tetzaveh was, was God was telling Moshe that you shall make the, gar, the clothing. And here it's saying how they made the actual clothing. In addition, it has all of the tallies. We're going to read about all of the things that were brought to Moshe, all of the wealth, all the counting of all the different uh, materials that were brought, and how finally it was all put together. And after everything was erected by Moshe Rabbeinu, he was the one that personally put it all together, um, how the Shekhinah was manifested amongst the Jewish people. Okay, That's the theme of the last part of the book, which is really the conclusion of the whole story of the Exodus. The whole theme of the Exodus is not just that we should leave Egypt. Is that we should be able to build a home for Hashem. So, Eilep Kudei HaMishkan, Mishkan HaEidos. Which means, the way they translate it here, these are the appointments over the Mishkan, over the tabernacle. The Mishkan HaEidos, the tabernacle of testimony. The place of testimony. So, why does it say the word Mishkan twice? Eilep Kudei HaMishkan. These are the Pekudim, the, count, the countings, the appointments, the, the jobs of the Mishkan. Mishkan, the Eidos, the Mishkan, the tabernacle of testimony where God was commanding Moshe to make all of these vessels. It says the word Mishkan twice. So first of all, why is it called Mishkan HaEidos? Mishkan HaEidos means a place of testimony. It means a place where God is giving testimony to the Jewish people that He is willing to forgive us for our sin of the golden calf. But it says the Mishkan, Mishkan HaEidos, to tell us that there's going to be more than one time when God will dwell amongst the Jewish people. We have the Mishkan that the Jews built in the desert. And then we're going to have the two temples built in Jerusalem. And both of those times, the Jews will once again sin. Like by the golden calf, we're going to sin. And yet, Mishkan HaEidos, we have the testimony of God that is willing to forgive us for our sins, to overlook our mess-ups, and that one day we will have the next Mishkan, the Mishkan HaEidos, which is the third and final base HaMikdash, that God willing will be built very soon, so it's already hinted to now in the, in, in the dimension over here, as they're going ready to build the first Mishkan, there's a repetition of the word Mishkan, Rashi tells us, for the hint of what will be built in the future after the destruction of all the other temples. Okay? So we have this job to count all of these, uh, all, of, all the stuff that'll be taken. Ubehu makes it. Once again, the Torah tells us that the architects were B'tzalel. So the third time, the Torah goes on to mention in detail who the architects were. And each time, it tells us in detail with the whole lineage. It's three times the Torah says this. B'tzalel, ben Uri, ben Chur, from the tribe of Yehuda, as mentioned already, but the Torah mentions again, so I have to repeat it as well, that B'tzalel was from the most illustrious family of the Jewish people. He was uh, from the family of Yehuda, from the tribe of Judah. He was a great-grandson of Kaleh ben Yefuneh, great-grandson of Miriam, the sister of Moshe and Aaron, who they married. He was from a very illustrious family. Here Rashi tells us, what I've raised before, but over here, that why was he called B'tzalel? What was the reason for his name B'tzalel? Because he was B'tzalel Kale. He was in the shadow of God. 
When Hashem told Moshe how to build the Mishkan, first Hashem told Moshe to make the Mishkan and then to make the vessels inside it. Right? You don't first build vessels and then build a house. First you make a house and then you get furniture. However, when Moshe t- says it all, he first talks about the vessels and then about the building of the house. In last week's parasha, when we read about the actual construction, we read it in a different order, as I pointed out. First, Mitzalo made the actual structure, the walls, the roof, and then he made the vessel, starting with the Aron working his way out. So Moshe says to Mitzalo, you must have been standing in the shade of God when God was speaking to me. Because you did, if you look what it says in the verse, that Mitzalo did, Ace call Asher Tziva Hashem as Moshe. Everything that God had commanded to Moshe. It does not say he did everything that Moshe had commanded to Betzala. Should have said, Betzala did everything that Moshe had commanded to him. Right? Instead, what does it say? He did everything that God had commanded to Moshe. Meaning he was standing in the shadows when God spoke to Moshe. He overheard. He did it the right way. Okay? And together with him is Ahaliyav from the family of Achisamach, from the tribe of Dun. He was in charge of all of the uh, work that had to be done, the embroidering and the turquoise and the purple and the scarlet wool and the linen, etc., etc. Now we come to the numbers. How much gold was used in the building of the Mishkan? Says the Torah, all the gold that was used was 29 talents. I'll explain in a second. 730 shekels of the sacred shekel. Okay, so a talent of gold or a talent is 3,000 um, coins. 3,000 shekel. So it says over here that it's approximately 1,404 kilograms per talent, or 3,095 pounds. Okay? 3,000 pounds, 3,095 pounds of gold times uh, 29 talents. Talking about a lot of gold. Do the math. I don't know what that's worth in today's numbers, but I once saw years ago a calculation then, and gold has gone up since then, that the Mishka was worth in the many, many multi-millions of dollars just the construction, a huge number. It's several hundred million dollars in construction. I don't remember the number of that. Okay? So that was all the gold that they had. The, you know, many, many, many thousands of pounds of gold. Then we have the silver. Now, the silver is very interesting. I'll tell you something brand new, something, uh, interesting debate amongst the commentators, how much silver there was in the Mishkan. So, in the Mishkan, the Torah tells us, the next verse, that the silver of those that had been counted, meaning, we know, we already learned in Parsha of Kisisa, that every single male between the age of 20 and 60, who was old enough to serve in the army, had to come and give a half silver shekel coin. Right? The Machtasa shekel. So how much did all that come out to be? 100 talents. If you remember I told you a second ago, that how much is a talent? A kikar, a talent, is 3,000 shekel. So if there was how many to- Jews were there total in the census? There were 603,550 Jews were counted in the census of the half coin. So you have 603,550. Paying attention, Robert? 603,550. So divide that into half. How many half coins are there? <laughs> 300,275. So then you have, and we say that each talent of, she- of silver is 3,000 shekel, the, the weight of 3,000 shekel. So if there's 3,000 half coins, there's 600,000 half coins, there's 3,000 plus, a little bit more, full coins. So that's 1,000 uh, talents, sorry, 100 talents. And then the remaining 300, 
3,550 half shekel coins, which is 1575 uh, whatever. 1775 is 1775 shekels, which is basically 10,645 pounds of silver, which is a lot of silver, a becca for each person. So this was a census, 603,550 people to give all of that silver. Now what did they do with all that silver? So the next verse tells us that a hundred talents of silver were used to make the hundred silver sockets that held up the walls of the Mishkan. So if you remember, we learned that there was 40 sockets on each side, on the north and south walls of the Mishkan. There was 20 bases, right? 20 uh, poles, 20 pillars. Each pillar had two sockets. So that means there's 40 silver sockets that are an ama high. They're a full 18 inches to 20 inches tall. They're like a foot wide and deep. 40 of those on the north side, 40 of those on the south side. On the west side, there was 10 poles, but there was two corners, whatever, so it was eight. So it's 16 uh, sockets on the west wall, and then there was four sockets on the east wall, so that's a total of 20, which is a total of 100. So 100 talents of silver used for the 100 sockets. Exactly one talent of silver for each one of the sockets. What about the remainder? Says the Torah, the S Ha'elef, and the thousand, the, the is important, I'll tell you why in a second, and the thousand, and 750, uh, 75 other silver coins, Asavavim La'amudim, with that they made the hooks for the, if you remember, on the courtyard fence, so the walls were covered, there were, there was copper bases, but there was a silver band, and there was silver hooks that held up the screen. So he used the remaining silver of the 1,775 shekel. He made the hooks for the pillars of the courtyard, and he put the caps. There was a cap on top of each one of the courtyard poles, and a band of silver that went around it. That was the 1,775 silver shekel. Now here's a very fascinating discussion amongst the commentaries. According to the Ibn Ezra, there was no other silver donated in the temple. This is the only silver that was used in the entire building of the Mishkan, was these uh, 301,775 silver shekel coins that was donated by each person giving a half coin. Zehu, that's it. A thousand was used for the silver sockets. Um, the, sorry, the hundred talents, 300,000 coins was used for the silver sockets. The other 1,775 for the... Uh, for the uh, silver hooks and the bands on the outer fence of the courtyard, and that's it. There's no other silver used. The other commentators have a hard time with that. Why? Well, what's his proof? His proof is that you don't find in any other construction project any other silver needed. Everything else that was made, there was no silver used. Everything was gold or turquoise or stones. There's no other silver needed. That's it. This is the only silver that was used, no other silver. But the problem with that explanation is, is that in the beginning of Parshish Truma, the Torah tells us clearly that in addition to the half silver coin, there was three trumas, and we discussed this also, there were three different truma offerings, three different kinds of donations that were made in the Mishkan. The one that was voluntary, where everyone gave as much as they wanted to give according to their wealth, according to how generous they were feeling. There was 15 different materials, including gold, 
silver, copper. Now the second item mentioned in the list is silver. I mean, the Torah clearly says that included in the voluntary donation was also silver. So how could you say that they didn't give any silver when they all gave money and wealth for the building of the Mishkan? So why does it say as Ha'elef and the thousand? So Rashi tells us as follows. But most at the end of the parsha, we're going to read, Moshe gives a calculation to all the Jews of exactly how much money was spent by the project, right? That, the, the, you know, the board wanted to see uh, the, the spreadsheet. They wanted to see the numbers. Where did it go? So Moshe gave, can you imagine the Jews didn't trust Moshe? They got, listen to this. It's amazing how Jews could be. So the, Moshe gives a calculation of everything. This much gold went for the Noah. This much gold went for the Mizbeach. This one for this. So you give a, and then he can't remember what happened with 1,775 silver coins. He can't remember. It wasn't on the Excel sheet. You can't figure it out. And right away, the Jews start to scream. Moshe say, you stole money. You see, we got you. We're talking about millions of dollars. We're talking about hundreds of talents of gold. 1,700 shekel is missing. That's it. Busted, red-handed. And Moshe davened to Hashem to help him. Because Moshe, knew, Moshe didn't steal. And then Hashem reminded him about the silver hooks that were on the outside of the courtyard holding up the screen. That's where that other silver went to make all those silver hooks. So that's what it says, Torah does not say this was the only other silver that was used, but it's specifying this is the silver because it's the silver that Moshe forgot about and now uh, Hashem reminded him about this, this silver. Anyway, that's, that's how Rashi explains it, but there's obviously other silver that was being used as well. Um... Okay, and then there's a third explanation of the Arachayim, also very beautiful. Why is it the silver? Tell you that there's another miracle that happened in the building of the Mishkan. What's the miracle? Because he says the same thing happens with the gold. He says, Es Hazahav, and the gold. Why the gold? When normally when you do construction, you melt down silver, you melt down gold to make new vessels, some of the silver gets lost in the process. If you start with, I mean, I'm not an expert silversmith, but if you start with a thousand uh, silver coins, 1,700 silver coins, when you finish, you have a little less. It gets melted, it evaporates, I don't know, you end up with less. There's a miracle to have in the construction of the Mishkan that even during the process of melting down the silver coins to form, you have to make hundreds of these little hooks and these little caps and little bands making these thin little silver things. Not one ounce of silver got lost in the process. When it was finished, the finished hooks weighed the same amount as the 1,775 silver coins that they started with. Three different beautiful explanations why it's written in the S-H-L. Okay, anyway. In addition to that, they had the copper. The copper was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. With the, te- with the copper, he made the bases for all of the pillars that were holding up the screen outside in the courtyard. He used it for the entire copper altar that was in the, in the courtyard of the Mizbeach. He used it for the copper grate and for all the utensils of the altar. Um... With the stakes, all the stakes, there were pegs in the ground to hold up the screen from not flapping. They were all made out of copper, and all the stakes in the courtyard. The stakes, both for the Mishkan itself, that the curtains shouldn't flap, and in the courtyard, the screen of the courtyard, all had stakes in it as well. And then there was the kior, but the kior, the wash basin, was also made out of copper, but it was not made out of this copper. It was excluded from this copper. This copper was melted down. And then made into you know copper bases for the beams, into pegs to hold the, the things into place to make the copper altar and the vessels. The wash basin was made out of mirrors, copper mirrors. 
But Moshe kept the same mirrors. They were very, very shiny. Because the woman polished the mirror that they should look, you know, be able to see their reflection. With that copper, he didn't melt it down and change it into a different form. As they were mirrors, shined by the woman, they were just bent into shape, and they became the, uh, the, the outside of the kiyar, not the, not the copper being mentioned over here that was melted down and re-molded, re, uh, reformatted. But it was copper. But it was copper. It was copper, correct, yes, yes. I was reading about it yesterday. Whole discussion that it wasn't and it wasn't melted. Somebody took existing copper that was shined because it says that the copper of the of the wash basin shined more beautifully than anything else because the woman polished it. And that's why it had a very uh, very shiny. That's why they put the on. That's why, yeah, they had to shine so they could see their reflection. Copper is also very antibacterial, antiviral. Okay, there you go. Antiviral, there you go. Okay, and then we have the turquoise and the purple, the scarlet wool, that they made netted packing to use when they would move the aron, meaning, or the vessels, meaning, besides for all the material, the turquoise and the linen that was used for the clothing, that was used for the different curtains over the mishkan, in addition, they're talking over here, most of the Basala makes vessel covers, fitted, form-fitting covers, to fit over each and every one of the vessels of the mishkan. So when they would travel, they didn't just pick up the ark and travel. They had a special, you know, cover of some kind of like a blanket, but it was not just a random sheet. It was fitted, it was designed to fit exactly over the ark, and once it fit directly over the menorah, once it fit over the table, etc., each vessel, and they would cover, the Levites would go in, they would cover, the, 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 the Kohen actually would cover these vessels, and then the Levites, the Trabagesh, would come and, and carry them. Okay, that is, and you'll see, I'll finish up, it says that each one of these, they did all of these things. Kasha Tziva, Hashem, Esmosha. The Torah will repeat over and over. Each thing they did, they did exactly as God has said to Moshe. Meaning, they didn't just do what they were told to do. They felt in their action. In fact, the Archaim says, as they were building this, this is what God told Moshe to do. They were able to feel that it's not that we're doing what Moshe said. In the word of Moshe is the word of God, and we can feel that we are building a home for God through following these instructions that were given to us by Moshe.